so true there. God will make a way. Even though we may not see it, God will make a way for us. No matter what. Brother Chris, if you don't mind me, you pray for us, Chris. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the wonderful privilege we have to be in your house, your church, and we're so blessed to be part of it. Father, we pray that you would go with us through this service and each thing that we do, each thing we say, each song we sing. Lord, with your spirit, season it and make this service be what you would have it to be. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Look at the page that I like to song right here. 581. 583. 583. Shutting down, things were happening. And this 
I looked at this, it was just like God speaking right to me from his word and from, you know, from my mom, from her notes. And I felt like we were just telling me this morning, tell my people that my joy is going to give them the strength to go through the hardships and the battles. Because we know the Bible says until Jesus comes, things are going to get worse and worse. But as Christians, we're supposed to have that joy to walk through the fire. You'll be with us. You can walk through the <coughs> with us. But the joy is going to give us that strength. And uh, we were talking some about Israel. One thing, you know, back when they did battle, early in the history of the Israelis when we study them. They sent the singers and the dancers out. They had to battle. What a job. Man, you're on the front line with no weapon, but a tambourine, and you're singing and dancing, you know, and worshiping God. And that's how they went out. They went out with these singers and these dancers, worshipers on the front line, and then the people in the warfare were behind them. So I guess what I... I said, Lord, you can worse this thing. Because I just feel like we as Christians, we've got to maintain that joy of the Lord. It doesn't mean the circumstances may never change. Sure. But it just means that joy by the power of the Holy Spirit will empower us to do things God's way, go through that test in time His way, and we'll come out on the other side in His presence someday. But we can have that joy right now. Going through the heart, you know, through that fire, we can have it. You know, but I just wanted to share that with y'all this morning. It just, it just brought joy to my heart. See that, you know, written in her handwriting. You know, what she's going through that time. And uh, may the joy of the Lord be our strength and our church. May we have His joy, and may we just have that strength in Him. We so desperately need it this time. Amen. Thank you so much. We'll have so much to do. Joyful for So much to do. You know, Chris, this to go right along with your your uh, devotion or your your message you just said right there, your testimony. But you know, in uh, verse, you know, in the Bible it says right here in Philippians, and Chris was in Philippians in his devotion this morning, three fourteen. It says, "I press on toward the prize. I press on toward the goal." to win the prize. And we do have a prize at the end, yeah? It's going to be what a joy what We have so much to be joyful for because we're going to get a great prize in the end. Great prize. Even though I don't deserve it, but you know the Lord's going to give it to me. The Lord's going to give it to me. Look at page 566.
something right here. Sing one more. And I think the boys, I think y'all got it special. Look at page 705. And I don't think you actually have to have your book open on the song right here. It is well on my soul. Let's sing first, third, and last.
Boys, your great grandmother would have been so proud of her job today. Yes. Um, amen. Such a joy to be here this morning. Uh, boy, hadn't it been? A, hadn't it just been a good day this morning? Really, hadn't. I'm. I'm so thankful that I've been able to feel what I've been able to feel since I've been over at the house of the Lord and the devotion. That, um, Brother Chris brought, I appreciate Amen. that. And uh, I needed to hear that about putting some things behind you. Yeah. Amen. Uh, I'm bad about, uh, a lot of folks now keep up with everything they want to do electronically and on the telephones, but I'm, I'm not that far advanced. And I, if you ever, just about any time you see me, you'll see a pen in my pocket and there'll be a piece of paper. And that started from the time I was in school up to this point and uh, I uh, I write down things as, as they need to be done and, and, and sometimes I think I've got my list all there and Belinda will say oh the brakes on the car are making a noise or, or uh, this in the kitchen is not working right and I'll just add it to the list can't get it right then but I'll add it to the list and and um, I find myself going through and looking at that list and putting stars beside what I want to get accomplished today, <coughs> knowing that it's not possible to do it all in one day, but I put stars beside what I'd like to get accomplished today. And um, I got to noticing that the ones I put stars by were the easiest jobs to do. <laughs> they were. Putting, putting the brakes on the car wasn't, it didn't have a star by it. Or some of the things that, that needed to be done didn't have a star by it. But the things that I more or less enjoyed doing that needed to be done had a star. And I would, I would cross, as I got through, I would cross each one out on that paper. And Sometimes I look at it and I say, man, I'm making some progress. I've got more lines drawn through that I've got things that need to be done. But those things that I really didn't want to do were still there. And I found out, Brother Chris, that if uh, I would take and do those things that I dread first, <laughs> put star beside them, and then what would be left is those things that I enjoy doing a little bit easier in life. But y'all know where I'm at. A lot of these things I should be calling somebody to do it for me, and I'm too cheap and try to do it myself. <laughs> uh, but uh, I love each one of you today, and I appreciate that devotion. I appreciate our Sunday school lesson today. What? Uh, oh, oh, there was so much information in that, and so many things I had not seen that I... Uh, I just, uh, it, it's just amazing, uh, uh, and, and, and I'm, I'm glad we're having this study as we lead up to this ordination service, it's so important, and uh, a lot of folks don't realize, don't even realize where the church came from, and, 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 and don't realize that this kingdom is present here yes. today. Uh, on the earth. I appreciate what you brought out. I'm fixing to get the message. I appreciate what you brought out about when Jesus told some men there, he said, uh, he said, there's some of you here that will not taste or see death till this kingdom has come. And, and a lot of people read that and say, wait a minute. These people were not going to live too much longer. And he's saying they will be here when this kingdom comes. Jesus knew that he was fixed to be crucified and resurrected on the third day and that this kingdom, the church, would be set up in the lifespan of these people that was witnessing, witnessing him say that. And I'm glad today I'm not looking for a kingdom to come. I'm living it. Amen. I'm living in that. We are. We are. Amen. We're headed for a better place, but... But you and I are in the presence and in the midst of the kingdom of God. Amen. And I'm glad of that. I'm really glad of that. The reading I'd like to do today comes from uh, 1 Samuel.
chapter 25, 1 Samuel chapter 25, and um, let's continue to remember Brother Robert and Sister Nail, they're, uh, they're sick, Roger and Elaine, and um, I think they're doing better, but Elaine has been pretty bad sick this past week. Let's remember all those that's given up loved ones from the walks of this life, and um, uh, so much to pray about. But before I read this uh, 25th chapter of uh, 1 Samuel, I want to say this. Um, I saw an interview with Andy Griffith not too many years before he died. And uh, the journalist that was interviewing him questioned him about the Andy Griffith show and uh, about a remake of it and, 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 and about Mayberry and all of this. And, and Andy Griffith smiled and then he, in a very serious way, he said Mayberry was a fictional fantasy land where problems were solved in 30 minutes. And when he said that, I thought a lot about that, a fictional fantasy land. We like to, and I love to watch it and mm-hmm. we like to think things are really that way, but he said it's a fictional fantasy land where problems are solved in 30 minutes. We tell the journalist, problems are not solved in 30 minutes. I said that to say this. I'd like to preach on the thought today, living in a fantasy land. I want you to think about that just for a few minutes. And 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 uh, um, not I tell you I wrestled with this, but this is the way God leads. I I, uh, I enjoy watching uh, old westerns, especially the older ones. And there's one particular one that I watched as a kid, and then I never saw it again until just a few years ago, and that's Rawhide. And I watched those episodes over and over, different ones. And, and, and I know at the beginning that there's going to be a, a problem that's going to come up on Gil Faber and his, uh, all of his drovers there. But I know that by the time it ends, the good guys are going to win. They are. And, and, but I still am attracted to watching that, even though I know that every episode, the good guys are going to come out ahead. But I like to watch it. In a fantasy land, that all takes place. The good guys all win the earthly battles all the time but in reality in reality it's much different it's much different uh, 25th chapter first verse said and Samuel died and all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in the house of Ramah and David rose and went down to the wilderness of Paran there was a man in Maon whose possessions were in in Carmel, and the man was very great, and he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Naboth, and the name of his wife was Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish and evil in his doing, and he was of the house of Caleb. Evidently, this man, Jabal, didn't take very many of the characteristics of Caleb, did he? He was of the house of Caleb, his ancestor, but um, when you study Caleb's life and this man's life, they're quite different. And David said, and David sent out ten young men, and David said unto the young men, Get ye up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name, and thus shall you say to him that liveth in prosperity, Peace be both to thee, and peace to thine house, and peace unto all that thou hast. And now I have heard that thou hast shears. Now thy shepherds which were with us, we hurt them not, neither was there aught missing unto them all while they were in Carmel. Ask thy young men, and they will shear thee, Wherefore, let the young men find favor in thine eyes, for we come in a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thine hand, 
unto thy servants and to thy son David. And when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all those words in the name of David and ceased. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread, my water, my flesh, that I have killed for my shears, and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all those things. And David said unto his men, Gird ye up every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And there went up after David about 400 men and 200 abode with the, by the stuff. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. But the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt, neither missed we anything as long as we were uh, conversant with them when we were in the fields. They were a wall unto us, both by night and day, all the while we were with them, keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know and consider what thou wilt do, for evil is determined against our master and against all his goods, against all his household. For he is such a son of Belial that a, that a man cannot speak to him. And I believe I'll stop reading right there. To really get a full understanding of this, you would have to read the remainder of the chapter, but I'd like to uh, I'll stop right there and I'd like to uh, uh, preach to us just for a few minutes about a man uh, living in a fantasy world and I, I begin to think here as we uh, uh, begin to look uh, uh, David was in a predicament here uh, if you go back and study Saul was hot on his trail and after him uh, Samuel uh, whom David had so much confidence in and, 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 and was, was, was a mentor to David and, and he had just died and they had buried him. And uh, I remember when my dad died, uh, even though I was old up older, I thought to myself, I said, oh, Lord, this is the one I went to for advice and, 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 and now, now we're burying him. And I'm sure that David looked at this the same way Samuel had been uh, 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 such a, a great man to David and they were buried and, uh, and, 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 and Saul was after him and he knew that Saul was after him and so uh, uh, he was, he was kind of down and out. He'd gone down there into the wilderness and, and, uh, and he had some needs that came upon him and his men and uh, they found out that Jabal over there was a very wealthy man. I read to you about his livestock and, and his abundance and he was a very wealthy man and and so David sent messengers over there to see uh, uh, if he would give them some provisions that they, uh, that they needed. And, and uh, the Bible said that uh, Jabal was a very churlish man, a very uh, a miser, a man that, uh, uh, man that uh, just probably thought of himself and nobody else. And so uh, uh, the Bible teaches us that uh, when he sent these men up there to uh, uh, ask this favor of Nabal, that Nabal gave a, a rough answer and he, uh, uh, he let them know that uh, uh, he had no concern for David and uh, even though David had done him a great service he had no concern for him and that he wasn't about to give them any water or food or anything else he was going to uh, keep it all you see this man lived in a fantasy a world where he thought that it was all about him amen and he uh, probably thought to himself I've earned every dime that I've made. I, I earned this farm and all the livestock that are on it. Never once thinking about thanking God for what he had. I'm going to put him all to himself. Amen. Sometime or another you go get the dictionary and you look up churlish 
and you read all the different things that it refers to about that word. It's a very mean, evil person. Amen. And so uh, when they come back and they brought the news uh, to David, uh, the news that uh, he wasn't going to give him anything, but uh, and they had harsh words to say about him. Uh, David's Adam man began to come out in him, and he, the Bible said, how uh, that he took his sword, he began to arm himself, and he uh, got his men to arm them. And the first thing that came upon David's mind was, "I'll go and I'll slay every man of Jabal." Amen. You know, a lot of times um, when something happens that I don't really like, and I know that somebody did it deliberately. That a man sometimes first thing that shows up in me. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, but you know God has got a plan. Right. He's got a plan. Right. Amen. What I didn't read to you over there was I did read where it talked about his wife Abigail. A very understanding woman. I believe she was a wise woman. And the Bible said that she was pretty nice to look at. And uh, one of the servants, or one of their servants, came to her and they said, You know, David sent some messengers over here and asked for some provisions that we are well able to, to give and not even miss it. But said, uh, Nabal gave him a rough answer. And uh, now, David's upset. He's going to come in here and he's fixing to cause havoc. Boy, I tell you, it's funny how a woman like this could be married to a man like that. But the Bible said that, that when he told her these things, that she immediately started gathering together these things that David had need of. Amen. And she began to gather them together and, uh, and she thought to herself, she said, I better get out there and meet David before him and his army comes and makes havoc of this place. And so uh, she went out there and she saddled her up a, an ass, it said, and she went out there and she met David on his way, him and his men, on his way to come in there. And I think the Bible said that he was going to destroy everyone that pisseth against the wall. In other words, he was going to kill every man in the bunch. And so she, she, she met David there and she honored him as someone higher than her. And the Bible teaches us she got down off of her donkey there and she gave him uh, 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 respect and reverence. And she told him, she basically told him, said, please don't come and do this. You're a man of God. God's been with you and helped you. And I know that my, my husband is, just ain't much to him. He don't know what he says. He's evil. He's church. But said, I brought the provisions that you need. And I beg you, don't do this thing. It'll be displeasing to God if you go and do this thing that you're set out to do. The Bible said that I believe a light bulb went off in David's head and he thought, you know she's right. She's right. I ain't got no business. If the man didn't want to give us nothing, even though I've been good to him, and even though I've treated him right, if he didn't want to give us anything, then legally, I don't have a case. He may be mad, but by Abigail's wisdom and understanding and knowing how to handle situations, she gave him these things and she told him, said, said please don't come and, and, and do these things. God wouldn't be pleased with. Meanwhile, David took the provisions, he thanked her, and he thanked her for the advice that she gave him. And David went his way, and Abigail went back to her house. 
She got over there and she found Jabal, her husband, had thrown a party. And she got there in the midst of the party. And the Bible said that Jabal had drank very heavily. And he was very drunk, is what the Bible said. She was probably going to tell him, I just saved your life. But he was too drunk to understand. You see, he lived in a fantasy land. All about him. All about what he wanted. You know, we've got a lot of people today in this world that are living in a fantasy land today. Amen. That's right. All about them. All about what they want. In the real world, it would be nice if everything was what I wanted. It would. That's a fantasy land. That's a fantasy mind. Don't ask me. Right. Right. So the next morning after he had time for that wine to wear off, you can just see O.J. Bell. He probably had a headache and he probably looked like warmed over death. Been partying all night long, drunk and stuff. She said, honey, you just saved your life. David was going to come. He was going to destroy this place. But I interceded. I gave him the provisions that he needed. We could well spare it. I gave him the provisions he needed. See, when we wait on God to do vengeance, God will do it. He will. He will. The Bible teaches us that if we'll pray for our enemies, it's like keeping coals of fire down upon them. The Bible said that when she told Jabal that, it's kind of weird. It said, his heart died within him and he became like a stone. The best way I can understand is he just completely went comatose. That's, that's the way I understand it. You ever see a person that's comatose and they, they have no, no movement, no nothing, they're just laying there. And the Bible said that 10 days later that the Lord took Jabal's life. Amen? Amen. I'm glad today that I don't have to take vengeance in my hands right, today, right. but I'm serving a God today that can do and will do. He says, vengeance is mine. Amen. Amen. My daddy always used to say, the wheels of justice turn very, very slow. But he said, son, never forget, they don't stop turning. They don't stop turning. They turn. Jabal lived in this fantasy land that, that uh, he could do exactly what he wanted to do today. There's a lot of people dying on the road to a devil's hell that's living in a fantasy land that, that they're just placed on this earth for a while to do what they want to do and that when they take their last breath, their life will be null and void and nevermore. There's not a greater fantasy you can live in than that today. Amen. Amen. I think about uh, folks today. I, I, uh, the, the, the fellow I work for, John Tuck, I, uh, he's a very smart man for his age. And, and, uh, and we'll set out to do something on the farm there. And uh, I'll ask him, I'll say, well, how do you want to do it? It's his money we're spending and, and it's his job. And I ask him, how do you want to do it? And, uh, and he says, well, in a perfect world, he always says that, in a perfect world, we'd do it like this. But he said, but in reality, we're going to have to do it like this. Amen. What he was saying, if everything was hunky-dory and perfect, well, if everything was perfect, we wouldn't have a job to do. It would be done. <laughs> Amen. Right. There are so many folks today, and, 
and, and, and, and, and I'm preaching this to myself as much as anybody. There's so many folks today that's living in a fictional world today. Mm -hmm. Living in a fantasy. Have you ever seen a little drama queen, young girl? My, I had sisters. And, and uh, they, uh, uh, and they're in high school. I'm not talking about you, McCann. They're in high school. And uh, oh my goodness. Yeah, the whole world's on their shoulders. So and so's wearing this, I gotta wear something a little bit better. I've been through that. I, my daddy put gray hairs on his head. But they living in a fantasy world. Things that don't even matter. Amen. And I know when we're younger it matters. But J Paul lived in a fantasy world. He thought he could do exactly what he wanted to do and get away with it. That's a dream. Right. That don't happen. Today, we'll stand accountable for ourselves and our actions today. Amen? We will. Jesus was over there and he had his disciples and it was a great multitude of people. They said so many that they were thronging on top of one another. He had a big crowd following And he was fixing to do some preaching. And, and one of them out in the crowd said, uh, said, Master, speak to my brother. But he divided the inheritance with me. Now there Jesus was out there, all this stuff to take care of. And here this guy was concerned about his brother getting a little more than he did. And he wanted Jesus to go talk to him, being the judge, go talk to him. Jesus didn't come to this earth for that. He came to save sinners. Amen. And this struck Jesus in such a way that he spake to him a parable about a certain rich man whose ground brought forth plentiful. He was trying to get this guy in the crowd that said, hey, go talk to my brother about my part of the inheritance. He said, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And the man didn't know what he was going to do. He, he grew more stuff than he had place to put it. Mm -hmm. And the Bible said that he, he thought among them within himself. You know what that tells me when Jesus was speaking this parable? When he thought within himself, he was thinking with his own conscience, what am I going to do? Wouldn't it be nice if he had said, God, thank you for blessing me with all of this. Now, how am I going to keep it off and spoil it? <laughs> and after he thought a little while, he said, this will I do. I'll pull down my barns and I'll build greater. I'll build bigger ones. <laughs> Every so often, Brother Michael, and I guess all men do this, we don't have enough shed space, do we? No. We don't. Uh, you just can't have enough shed space. No matter how big your barn is, you'll, you'll fill it up. And sometimes I'll get to thinking, I'll look out there behind the house and I'll say, where would be a good spot just to put a pole bar? <laughs> and then I'll look in the mirror and I'll say, you're 59 years old going on 60. Your toys are wearing out. <laughs> You don't feel like doing a whole lot of stuff anymore. And I'll talk myself out of building that pole bar. But this man, his thinking was all about him. You see, he lived in a fantasy world. I realize this was a parable. But Jesus was speaking a parable about a man who lived in a fantasy world. He said, I'll build greater. And there I'll bestow all of my fruits and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, notice he didn't say, I'll say to myself, but I'll say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thy knees, eat, drink, and be mad. In a fantasy world, we would all have a good retirement, wouldn't we? In a fantasy world, we'd all have good insurance, We'd go to the doctor and they wouldn't require copay. We'd just go and flash our card and they'd treat us and we'd go home. 
That's a fantasy world. That don't happen. Doesn't work that way. But this man thought that he had it all worked out. What his plan was, was I've got enough piled up in the barn to last me as long as I live. That's what, he, that's what he was looking at. A lot of people, when they're planning out their retirement, they'll look and a financial advisor will, will say, now, here's the average lifespan, here's what you're drawing, here's what you can draw, and do you think this can get you by till you kick the bucket? That's basically what they say. And you, and you look and you say, and, they, and then the financial advisor say, now take in consideration the cost of living is going to go up. So this money's not going to be as valuable when you're 90 as it is when you're 60. Amen. They'll tell you that. And we all get, kind of get in a tizzy about trying to plan and make sure that we've got provided for you ever thought about just letting God handle that? Amen. It's our responsibility to plan for our future, to plan for our families, to make sure they're taken care of. I've told Belinda, if, if, uh, if I die, I call somebody to fix this stuff. And I hope we have enough money to pay them. <laughs> this man was living in a fantasy world. And his fantasy soon became to an abrupt reality when before the next day, that night, he had said this that day, and that night, he said, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Now, all this that you've planned and done you don't need your kids, grandkids, the state. Who's going to get it? it? Ain't going to do you any good. His fantasy turned into a reality. Turned into a reality. Amen. Today I want to encourage you that if you're putting too much stock in the in the things of this life and, and the things of this life and what happens determines how happy or how joyful you're going to be today I want to encourage you step over into reality amen just step over into reality amen when I was a kid I was the same as any other kid I lived in a fantasy land I did when I, when I got that new mini bike for Christmas, I thought it would last me forever. And I was going to be happy with that and content with it. And I was going to ride it around and have fun. And I'd never want anything else. Yeah. But it wasn't very long till it tore up. Yeah. And it got too little to ride. I thought about fixing it. It was too little to ride. I grew. So that fantasy that I had of having that thing till kingdom come, became a reality that it was just a material thing and it doesn't last. The Bible said in Obadiah, and I've never, I've never, I don't guess ever preached out of that scripture, but there's a verse in there. Um, there's not a lot known about Obadiah that was considered that he was one of the prophets. But um, the Edomites were descendants of Esau, and and they were uh, they were a very wicked people, self-sufficient, depend upon themselves type people. They were a lot like their ancestor Esau. And the Bible says that this is Obadiah, or the prophet, speaking here. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee, that thou dwellest in the cleft of the rock whose habitation is high that saith in his heart, who shall bring me down to the ground? You can read there a little bit further and you'll find out that the God we serve brought him down to the ground. Amen. Amen. You ever heard the whole saying, so-and-so need their wings clipped, flying a little bit high? 
We all do at times. We all do. We all do. Let me encourage you today. If you're living in a dream world, that's what it is, a dream world. The older I get, Michael, the more, the more I tend to look to reality. If I have the choice to read a biography or fiction, I've gotten to the age where I choose the biography. I want to know reality, what happened. Not what some narrator wants to paint up that I would like to think happened. Amen? Amen? Right. We've got to come out of the fantasy world and realize reality. You know, my grandmother and a lot of old people, they lived in reality. I noticed when we went to her house, Sister Pam, there was never nothing real fancy there. Uh, I remember the old metal cabinets, white metal cabinets that she had there in her house. And, and while all the other people were trying to modernize and, and get things, Grandma just kind of stayed the same. She wore dresses all the time. Never could understand that. And cooked. When we go to their house, you never had to worry about there being some wild thing that was going to blow you away. It was always just the same old place. But on Sunday afternoons, as a young man, I thought, I am bored to death here. But boy, I wish I could go back. I wish I could go back. See, she lived in reality. My granddaddy did too. They didn't have a whole lot. They worked hard for what they had. She'd tell me, son, eat all your food. Eat everything. Because she knew of a time when food was scarce and hard to come by. She didn't have to tell me I ate it. Let me read this out of James and I'm going to close. <clears throat> he said, go to, go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get game. <clears throat> he went on to say that our life is like a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. James went on to say what you ought to say is if it's the Lord's will tomorrow or today we'll do this or that. Amen. I found myself, Brother Wayne, here lately when uh, I tell somebody I'm going to be there I say I'll try to make it around this time. I'm always afraid to say I'll be there at because one car accident, one flat tire, anything mm -hmm. can delay that. Murphy's Law happens a lot of times, doesn't it? I'd like to get more saying if the Lord's will, I'll be there. Amen. If it's the Lord's will, we're going to try to come back this evening, have deacons meeting, have conference, maybe have some more of this study. But we don't know that. We don't know that. We encourage you. Come out of the fence. When there was men in the Bible that I read about that was going to build a tower that reached heaven. Amen. And they were really serious about this. They were building a physical tower that they thought the top could reach heaven. Amen. And they said, we'll make us a city. Amen. <coughs> lest we be scattered abroad. God, by the flip of His finger, put a stop to the building of that tower. They were never going to get it to heaven anyway. Heaven is a spiritual place. And so the physical tower is not going there. 
They said, lest we be scattered abroad. You see, they were living in a fantasy land, Brother Don. And the Bible said that God came and confounded their language where they couldn't even understand one another. And that, even today, that's how we are so spread out across this world today in the different languages. We even speak different from North Alabama to South Alabama. Mm -hmm. Let alone over in Europe and Asia and these different countries. You see, it's a dream and a fantasy to think that you can just plan out your life the exact way you want it to go. But be willing to accept when there's bumps in the road, when there's hindrances that are going to come our way, only the strong survive. Only the strong survive. So many people's out of church today because a hindrance came their way and they thought, well, somebody in the church ought to have helped me and known about this without me calling. And for years they've sat at home saying, I worship God at home over some little silly something like, you're living in a fantasy world today. Amen. Come give us a song. This could be preached on till this evening, but I'm going to hush and I want to encourage you today. Come over to reality. You know people today that live in the state that I'm talking about today. Amen. 596. Let's all stand together.